Hello and welcome to episode one of Sitting in Jams. I hope you enjoyed the first episode, the Q&A. We had a lot of fun doing that. So many great questions and even topics that we could expand further into uh, proper episodes in the future. So today I'm going to pass it over to Mr. Jack Handyside, who is going to kick it off with the question of the week. Sure. So thanks for letting me host. This is a really, really exciting time as well. It's our first episode and we have so many different ideas and it was fun in our meeting just before this. We we all got together and we talked about some of the subjects that we thought would be useful and interesting and engaging for all of you listening. And this is one where when we talked about it, all of our eyes lit up, both as you know students and teachers. It's something that we've all had lots of thoughts on as well. So I'm sure that today's Today's discussion is going to be incredibly engaging and hopefully fun for you, the listener. So without further ado, let's talk about it then. So our subject today is making practice personal. You can put a question mark wherever you like in that statement. But I thought I would start this by sort of defining what practice is. I think this is a really tricky area to start the question because really, you know, we're talking about two things when we talk about making practice personal. We're talking about personalizing practice. And we're also talking about, well, what is practice in the first place? And I think the statement lends itself to having a bit of a description for what is practice in the first place. So I went online and I went into the Collins Dictionary and I just simply Googled practice. And so this is the description for practice. Collins Dictionary says, Practice means doing something regularly in order to be able to do it better. Practice is one of these periods of doing something. Now, when I read that, I thought one of two things. The first thing was, wow, that's incredibly vague. And the second thing was that whoever has written that and, and made it the, the definition for practice doesn't sound like they have any experience of what practice really is. And we as musicians, we all have an experience of what practice is. And sometimes we have great experiences with it. And sometimes we have, you know, times where we're infuriated. We want to snap the instrument or, or break everything. And so it can be a really turbulent relationship with our instrument and getting better. So I thought I would just start by perhaps defining what it means to me. And I would love to hear what it means to both you, Reese and Callum. So for me, practice is four things, really. And I'm going to rush through these as quick as I can. I would define these first off as a curiosity or fun enjoyment. I think it's a, that's a cornerstone to, stone to practice and it's always been something that's really important to me about practicing. I think another kind of cornerstone would be an achievement or a goal. Following on from that, developing a healthy mindset towards exhibiting yourself. So that's really talking about building up stage confidence and uh, being able to exhibit yourself, yeah, in the best way. And then the final thing as well, and perhaps I will talk on this a little bit later, is this idea of meditative versus concentrative practice, trying to strike a balance between those things. But I, I want to open the floor up to both of you guys. What is your interpretation of what practice is? For me, practice is it's about more than just a goal, which I think there should be a goal within practice, but it's more so about time with the instrument. And realizing that practice has many different definitions depending on what I'm trying to achieve. So, you know, a practice session geared towards trying to learn a bunch of tunes for a gig will feel different from a practice session where I feel like I'm just trying to find a new sound or find a new concept or motif 
and then put that through something a little bit more focused. So, yeah, I feel like for me, practice is it's about having a healthy relationship with your instrument, but also there is the focus side of like trying to achieve something. So there there needs to be a sense of moving forward. And then the more sort of soft practice of like finding a new idea or like exploring a sort of vague sound or something, there should come a more focused point afterwards, I think. Um, because then if there's a more focused point, you can then lead forward with that as a driving force of your practice. Um, but yeah, more than anything, it's time with your instrument Spending productive time with your instrument, that's what I would say. Nice. Yeah, I like um I like both points. I like what you were saying there, Jack. How you kind of numbered things, like having different sections to your practice. Reese, what you were saying about um those two elements where it's like more focused and maybe a more meditative approach. Um I think one of the things that's important to have with your instrument that we kinda never lose as kids is the ability to be playful with the instrument. I think that's a really, really good thing to remember and start your practice with as well. If you can start your practice with that ability to be playful and just like don't have any limitations in terms of like bad ideas, good ideas, just create, just make things, just experiment with it and make sure that that's something that you, you can do routinely. That's when the other kind of portion of that comes in, where it's like maybe you talk more about discipline. Um, when you want goals, you've got spe- specific things that you want to you want to aim for. You have to be more strategic with those things, and that's where, in a bit of a duality, um, where you have that kind of creative side, plus that kind of more hard working side, focus side. Um, I think it's it's many things. Practice is many things. It encompasses a lot of different things, and it's having a good broad view of all of those things and been able to put them into a good plan that you can hopefully execute that's what i would say yeah i really like that i think both of what you said is really resonates with me as well and i think you know something that because if you didn't already know all three of us are teachers and i suppose we're also all students of music as well and so practice is something that all three of us are familiar with in some capacity as well whether teaching it or trying to cultivate a positive sense of practice for ourselves. And I'm sure that I'm about to bring something up that all the both of you have experienced, you know, myself included, which is when a student comes to you and says, I'm having real problems trying to practice or trying to make it work. I simply don't feel motivated. I don't feel comfortable doing it. And I have no idea what the goals are that I'm working towards. And, you know, something I think is really, really important. I have this written down as well. So it must, must be even more important which is the importance of having different approaches to how you practice. I think something that is overlooked so often is that the only way to practice is number one, at the instrument, number two, maybe with a metronome, um, and number three, you have to be able to make some kind of tangible uh, improvement or, or jump in your ability by the time that your session is ended. And so there are a lot of really false rumors, I think would be, would be the apt term for it, False rumors that that sort of get thrown about musician circles about you're a better musician if you practice for a longer amount of time or you have to be able to come out with an achievement in your technical ability or in your playing or in your discovery of something every time. And I think the problem is that plays into one idea of what practice is when, and I use this analogy a lot, again, for lots of private students. So there are any that are listening to this, you'll know that 
I am simply regurgitating this again. But something that I feel quite strongly about is the instrument itself, if we were to just think about this scenario very quickly. If I pick up the instrument and I put it back down again, let's say it's plugged in. I put my, put my guitar down on its stand. It's all plugged in, making a bit of a feedback racket. That instrument can't do anything. It can't create music. It can't play melodies. It can't, it can't um, converse with other musicians. It can't make any decisions. It can't do anything that we would consider musical. So from that, you know, the, the, the music, the mu well, the instrument itself is a conduit. And instead, what's happening when I practice or when I train myself is that I'm training me. I'm training what I can do. And, you know, the beauty is as well is, is that guitar can kind of stay there and it can sit there and it can, it, can, it can simply just not be musical. As a result, I still have all these ideas and these melodies that I hear and these um, concepts that I want to try or whatever it may be, these, these lines in my head or, or, again, yeah, compositions. And so what you start to realize pretty quickly is that when you are practicing, you're training yourself. And I think it's something that is conveniently lost by musicians is that they think of practice as being one dimension. They think of it as sitting in a room, in a cold room with a metronome. The metronome clicks and you play along with the scales or whatever. And a, a lot of musicians seem to really, they really hurt themselves over having sessions where they just noodle or they don't feel inspired or they simply just play around and explore ideas. And quite a lot of the time I have to recenter my students that come to me and say, I feel like I'm a bit aimless with practice right now. I say it's more about trying to understand that there are many approaches to practicing and that whilst you can practice on the instrument, absolutely, and you can sit there and you can be really focused about what it is you're doing, even just the experience of picking up the instrument and getting familiar with it or playing things that you like and deepening your um, affection for the experience of music is also really, really important because so much learning also happens away from the instrument. Things like visualization, things like being able to I suppose you could do things like, you know, fun like interval games as well with car horns or sirens or that sort of thing. These are all things that they really, they really are part of your experience of practicing and getting better and becoming a more musical being or, or somebody who uses music to express themselves, you know. Um, and I think a lot of the time that's the thing that's, that's missed is that whilst we are getting better as players, we should also be mindful that we are working on the material that speaks to us as well. And, and one way that we have to do that is to sort of be a little bit more in contact with with how music makes us feel as well and so anything to do with active listening or visualization or um, yeah simply challenging yourself in ways that have nothing to do with the instrument are also really important but what are your guys's thoughts on having different approaches then different approaches within practice itself so like um it's funny, I was writing a note completely unrelated to that on location environment is what I was thinking about because you were saying about how you um you need to be able to adapt to the situation that you maybe find yourself in and practice within that. I mean, that's something that I was thinking about when you were talking. So you mentioned, you know, listening to car horns, you know, and playing like an interval game. And it kind of got me thinking about what I call proactive practice to my students. I talk a lot about, you know, metronome games and interval games and visualization techniques that you can use away from the instrument. Um, and I kind of call it proactive practice, but I'm starting to, uh, when you're talking, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe it's, maybe I shouldn't, or not that I shouldn't, but another way of packaging that is like, well, it's just practice as well, you know, and it's all the same thing really. But 
yeah, I mean, I hope this isn't too much a tangent, but what you got me thinking about there is something that I'm kind of into, and it's the idea of location and environment when you're practicing, because I find that depending on where you are, even whether in your own house or within college or whatever it may be, or even where you are in life in terms of your age, like plays a huge impact on how you practice. And I find that the more I play with little elements like what room I practice in, like genuinely has a huge effect on how I feel about a practice session. And Jack, you will know that I'm a fan of like having my workplace quite quite orderly and tidy. And like, it's super important for me going into a practice session to have that space where it's like, it's almost like a, a sacred sort of, a place where I go to like get something done and when I say get something done I don't mean in terms like an end result it's like working towards something and yeah I found like a couple things that really helped me within that is having a music stand you know like having something that is there and you use that as like your altar when you're practicing you know it's like that's there and you've got whatever you're working on might just be a metronome or it might be a backing track on your computer or your iPad or whatever but like little things like that, like formalizing and ritualizing the process of practicing within a specific space, I find to be really useful for me. I know that if I was thrown out into someone's spare room and I had to practice, I would practice differently. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I think it's good to be exposed to all these different um, different elements. But for me, having a specific sort of ritualized process, you know, you get the cup of coffee in the uh, guitar fuel mug and you sit down, you write your notes, you get the music stand out and you kind of get into it. I find personally that that, that helps me a lot. Um, sorry if I've swerved from your question, but that's that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, I was I was going to add to that as well, actually, in terms of just talking about environment. Um, I totally, totally agree with the environment side of things because I think if you... If you get used to that space, then as soon as you enter that space, the mindset is now practice. It's more a mindset thing. It's like the environment's there, but you're really getting into the headspace of I'm ready to practice. I'm ready to work on said things. It's the same when I think we're teaching. Like I always say, I might be in the same room teaching, uh, room teaching, you know, for four or five hours, six hours, but my environment changes every half an hour. Like every single time a new student walks in the door, that's a new environment. I need to maybe change the way that I do things to tailor the learning process of how this individual learns, this individual learns, uh, so forth. So I think, yeah, environment just plays such a massive role in terms of are you in the right headspace to actually get work done in the first place? I like that. Yeah, no, those are really all strong answers. And I think it helps us start to piece together what it means to personalize practice. I think more than anything, perhaps you, the listener, or us as we think about practice and how we teach practice as well, it's really important to have your own definition for what you feel practice is. And, you know, a really good exercise for, for doing that kind of thing. And I've done this quite a lot over the years, especially as my relationship to practice has changed, is by simply putting practice in the center of the page and circling it and then creating a bit of a diagram and list all the things that you believe are important about practice. Perhaps, you know, what it is that you aim to achieve in that time or what it is that you value about that time. Because for some people, practice is so much about that headspace that you're training. Because, you know, if you're a performer, if you're training yourself to be a performer, in that time that you're practicing, yes, you're training the technical side of the instrument, but you're also training your mindset to be comfortable with exhibiting yourself when it comes to playing on stage or sharing something that's deeply personal. So it's really important that you 
are able to, I suppose, tune your, your practice towards what it is that you hope to share with people as well. But on that then, what I want to move towards is more, more towards the, the, the question that we started with, which is making practice personal. Reese, I'm going to hand it over to you. How would, if somebody asked you, how would somebody go about making their practice more personal? I think a good place to start was exactly what you just described, Jack. Like, I mean, this isn't a process that I necessarily thought about until you started saying it, but I do this with other aspects of life. I mean, it could be like my rock climbing, like write that in a thing and like think about what am I trying to achieve? How does it make me feel? And so I would encourage people to do that. You know, we should all do it and see, maybe we can discuss notes next time we meet. It's like write down practice and think about what what that can uh, lead you to. But one thing that I think has helped me a lot, and again, funnily enough, this is thanks to yourself, Jack, is realizing that I am not in any way the same person I was when I was in university. And I'm definitely not in any way the same person as I was when I was in high school. And so there have been times when I've fallen into sort of little ruts and I think, oh, I'll I'll dig into some of that stuff I was practicing in uni because I used to get a lot out of that. It could be like a scale exercise or something. And more often than not, I do it and I feel nothing from it. I'm just like, I've got this down. You know what I mean? And part of something that I'm trying to explore a little bit more or be aware of a little bit more is that practice changes as you change and practice changes as you grow older. And that might mean that you work more with time restraints or it might mean that, you know what, race, you've got your modes of the major skill down. Like, you don't even need to think about that stuff now or like playing two five ones. You know what I mean? It's like there's certain things that like I've definitely got down that maybe um, acknowledging that practice needs to evolve as I grow as a musician. It's like there's probably a lot of stuff I used to practice just pointlessly because I thought that's what I needed to practice, you know? And I get that a lot with technique as well. It's like sometimes I go through phases, and I know we all do, where I just jump into technique because I feel a bit lost. And I'll practice sort of technique exercises that I think are essential. And I'm like, you've kind of got this. It's like you need to, you need to be moving forward towards someone else. But um, yeah, I guess that would be my point. Is like one step towards making practice personal is to realize that practice needs to evolve with you. And that's not necessarily an action point as such, but think about yourself where are you in life like do you have four hours a day if you do good for you if you've got an hour a day like that is an element of evolution you know because i'm sure once upon a time when you're a kid you'd have four hours a day but um you might not now and that's one factor that you really need to consider when you're going to sit down and uh, practice in whatever form um but yeah that's that's my uh that's my point what about yourself callum um from that point there, um, I'm not entirely too sure. I think practice for me is being able to get into like a, a deep state. I think I mentioned this before, but um, been able to just get into a place of like deep practice. A lot of um, things that I'm doing with students now who maybe feel they can't get into like a good routine um, and struggle with making progress in the practice is do we have distractions? Is there any distractions when we're in our practice time? Did we have a plan? Did we have a plan that outlined a few things to work on? Because even not having a plan, I think, can make your practice seem like there's just, there's no goal, there's nothing to work on. Um, And I think part of making it personal is exploring things that you want to spend time on. 
Because if you have those whys, I think that's, that's one of the things is create a why. When we're teaching students and stuff and you have students who know what scales are, they maybe know what modes are, um, or they know them as exercises, but they've never been taught maybe why we use them. There's so many students that I've, I've taught where maybe they just have that kind of exercise down, but they've maybe never used it as a tool to make music. They just know it's maybe a warm-up exercise. Um, but I think that's that's one of the things that I would add is just trying to eliminate any distractions so that you can get the best the, the best that you can out of your own practice because you, you won't know where you can get to in terms of creativity um, if you spend some time being creative in your practice or just knuckling down and going through stuff if you can't just go through half an hour of uninterrupted practice. I think that's super important for developing yourself. You can't develop yourself if you're constantly getting interrupted by things or notifications, things like that. It's very difficult to do so. I think that's a fantastic point, Callum. And one thing that I am constantly reminded of is aeroplane mode is a fantastic little thing. You know, I'm sure that we all use like metronomes and stuff on our phone or backing tracks or even our computers, you know, and just trying to create an environment that is free from distraction is super important. Like it's, it's really hard to get into that flow state or that deep state or whatever you want to call it with your phone pinging every five minutes. Like it's so important. I, I suppose from my perspective, I would answer this from more holistic place. Maybe I think you guys have listed all the really important things about setting your environment and setting up what concentration looks like. Something I often try to present to students who struggle with practice because it's something that I too struggle with. And Reese, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, that change in the different stages of practice that you have and your relationship to practice changes over time. You don't practice like you were 15 now, you know, due to time constraints and also due to the fact that you know a lot of the stuff that you're doing now. Or perhaps you have more of a unified way of being able to get to a point. When it comes to personalizing practice, I have a bit of a specific and again, holistic way of, of viewing this. And my way of thinking about this is by presenting this idea of the meditative versus the concentrative. I think that finding a balance between the two is the most important aspect of being able to plan and, and feel comfortable in a session that you feel is personal and that, and that meets all of your demands. I think if I were to break that down then, I think more than anything else, the meditative versus concentrative style of practice is about finding out who we are behind the, the, the instrument. More than anything, that seems... The most important thing to me at least um, others may disagree but more than anything else I think the thing that guides me the reason that I want to get better the reason that I want to improve the reason that I am curious about things not just on the instrument but in, in life in general is really with this deep-seated curiosity to explore why I want to exhibit myself using music why I want to show what it is I'm interested in so I would I would think about it like this the balance between concentrative and meditative then so Concentrated would obviously be all of the information that it is that we want to tackle. And everybody has gone into sessions and thought, great, I'm going to learn a standard. I'm going to learn this scale and then I'm going to learn the fretboard. I'm going to be able to write a tune and then transcribe something. I've been there. I've been there and I've, I've spent, you know, eight to 12 hours in a practice room working through things and then coming out of a practice room and thinking, what did I learn today? And then thinking as I walk home, I don't think I learned anything. And then almost feeling like I've wasted a day. And I realized for a long time I was doing that and putting all these things in place, like, you know, training myself to 
hit this objective and have this goal and be able to do this and, you know, almost sort of catch up on those that I felt were better than me as well, which is a bit of an ego trip in itself. But the thing I realized that that was missing is I wasn't digging into the material that spoke to me. And that's the meditative side of things. Once you find, you know, a scale that you like or a transcription or whatever it is that you've been working on that you feel secure with, the next stage would be try to internalize that thing that speaks to you and try to try to internalize it because you feel it represents you. And I think that's the big that's the big overarching theme of meditative and concentrative practice. And that simply might be working with a drone. It might be working with a backing track and trying to input your idea. It might be trying to vocalize what it is that you're doing, or it simply might be about composing and using that idea. But more than anything, I think the, the, the theme that's there is finding out who you are behind the instrument and why you are doing what you're doing. Constantly, I get students ask me about what is the context for this? Why am I learning this? Why, where does this information go? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all these chords or this, this scale knowledge, or I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. And the honest truth is that you have to be more curious because curiosity will make you not just find out about what you can do with it on the fretboard, but it will make you realize things about yourself and how music can be a vehicle for perhaps your, your experience of life or your experience of emotion or, or that sort of thing as well. And so I would posit that you have to have a good balance between the two of those things as well. Um, those would be my thoughts on the matter of making things personal, but is, is there anything else that you guys would like to input as well? There was actually, I totally forgot what it was. <laughs> it was, um, oh, what was it? It might come back if anybody else has got anything they want to add. I was just going to say that, um, I think really the, the two main points mainly suggested by like yourself, Jack and, and Reese that, um, it's, it's those two elements that we're talking about. I feel like they're really part of the entire process. So you can't really do one without the other. It's like the meditative versus that kind of um, concentrated side uh, as well. I think that's those are the key points to really having like good, effective, personal practice sessions, I would say. Yeah, I would, I would like to add, I've remembered my point, and it's to remember that what you're doing is part of something much bigger than the hour that you spend in the room. Uh, learning a standard an hour. Like, if you're the kind of person who could do that and super, like, get into it, then cool, that's fine. You know, I've learned standards in an hour or 10 minutes sometimes, but um, trying to realise that you're working towards something much bigger than just that little thing, you know? Might be a performance, but then what's bigger than that? It's like your overall being as a musician, as Jack's kind of pointed out, that deeper side. And with that, um, I want to try and sort of express this story that I, I think a lot. And I can't remember if it was Mozart or Bach. We're going to go with Mozart. And the idea is that he used to show up every day and he'd, he'd have his little space where he'd write. And he'd show up every single day. And people used to say, it's like, oh, what'd you get done? He's like, oh, bleh. you know, like maybe he never got much done. And in other days he'd be like, oh, I... I did manage to write something or I wrote a, a symphony, you know what I mean? And his answer a lot of the time, I think, what I was led to believe is if he shows up, that's the main thing. And what he would say is, uh, oh, people would say, what, what happens if, if nothing comes to you, if inspiration doesn't come? And he's like, well, I showed up, you know? And that's the best thing you can do. And I think whether it's an hour of noodling, it's fine. 
like you are you're showing up and you're putting in the time and that is a form of practice it's just uh it's different from sitting down with a metronome and you know whipping yourself <laughs> you know what i mean it doesn't have to be so uh cathartic um but yeah that's one thing that i wanted to add there it's like to remember that what you're doing is part of a very big picture sure so i thought i'd cap it off by asking both of you the same question i'd love to know what your response is a student came to you and said one thing i can do to personalize my practice say callum we'll start with you i would probably say have a plan Quite simply put, and the reason for that is if you don't have a plan, the likelihood of you going to practice is just so much lower. Actually have a plan and you have any rough idea of you want to do, the chances of you getting started and potentially finding out who you are through that practice is much higher. It just means you'll get the ball rolling. So have a plan. I this is the advice I give in a lot of situations, but it is be honest. And what I mean by that in this instance is be honest about what it is you want to be doing with the instrument. I have students who come to me. I had a student last week, actually, who he came and he was like, all right, so want to work on this. And I'm not kidding you. He literally listed the syllabus for Berkeley. It was all of these things. And I was like, why do you want to learn all this like stuff? Like, what's it leading towards? And I think within there's obviously like an unknown about what need, like what needs to be practiced. But yeah, I think just being honest, it's like, are you actually interested in, for example, learning standards? Do you hate blues, but your teacher's getting you to play blues? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I would say be honest with what it is you actually want to get out of the, the musical experience. Cap this off then, and we can finish. But this has been a really fun episode as well to do with the two of you. And you have some really great ideas. And hopefully the people that are listening to this who perhaps are stuck, perhaps you've fallen into a rut, or perhaps you are just looking for new perspectives. Hopefully this episode will serve as being some kind of influence or inspiration for you. So I'll cap it off. I think my advice then to follow on from the two already great pieces of advice would be to simply cultivate a relationship with yourself in accordance to who you want to be on the instrument. And a simple way of doing that is write what your feelings are after your practice session. That's a big one because both of these guys have told you great things that you can do to get started great things you can do to motivate yourself inspire yourself as well so my perhaps little variable there would be write what your feelings are are there certain chords that make you feel a certain way are there certain chords that help you express things better than others try to cultivate a relationship with what it is that you're doing but with that being said i believe that is everything that we have covered and aim to aim to cover today so i'd just like to thank the two of you as well it's been really fun sort of having a host over this as well. And we will be back hopefully next week or in the next couple of weeks to present a new idea on the Sitting In Jams. But thanks for joining us. And remember, if you want to be included on the podcast, either potentially as a guest or just have your question answered, remember to send us a message on Instagram or leave a comment on YouTube or wherever you're watching this. And yeah, I just want to thank Jack for hosting that. That was fantastic. Super engaging question and... Yeah, looking forward to the next one.